Welcome to Mag's Mind. I'm your host, Zach Wiseman. Join us as we explore current trends in social impact, life, culture, and even purpose. In the meantime, we invite you to sit back, kick up those feet, and come sail away with us. Welcome to another episode of Mag's Mind. Thanks for joining. Um, we're going to do things a little different this episode. There's no guest. Wah, wah. <laughs> Just me, yours truly, for 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> that's true, but yeah, I wanted to test out a little different format, keep things interesting. Um, I know I'm talking at you, but really hope to kind of spark a dialogue, spark some thoughts hopefully you feel inclined to reach out after listening to this via some form of 8000 different platforms or hopefully you share this episode to somebody and say hey you know what this was resonating with me you should listen that's the goal so before we get started um i want to ask that you humor me a little bit and we're going to do a brief little exercise um wherever you are if you're <clears throat> at home if you're in your bedroom, which has now become your office, um, wherever you are, close your eyes. If you're with your kids or they're screaming in the other room, close your eyes. If you're driving, close your eyes. Uh, just kidding. Be safe. I don't know where you're driving right now, but that's another story. Um, if you're in the backyard, if you're lying in bed, if you're at your desk, just close your eyes. Think positive thoughts. Be thankful for being alive for breath, take a deep breath, and think about this for a second. I am sitting alone in a room in Dallas, Texas, um, talking to a microphone, I have a cocktail, and I'm talking into a microphone, and the sound of my voice goes into that microphone, goes into my computer, the computer does a few computery things, beep boop, beep beep beep. The voice then goes to the internet, from the internet, from me to you, and from your phone or your tablet or your computer into your ears. Maybe I'm in, listening to me in headphones, maybe on a computer. Um, either way, that's pretty cool that it's literally I'm talking to a room and now I'm talking into your head. The other thing that's kind of neat, and yes, I'm pretty sober, is... Um, that we're transcending time. Uh, think about this. Today, for me, is June 16th. And wherever you are, you're in the future. And I'm in the past when you're listening. So it's pretty cool how just technology these days has allowed us to transcend time, come together even when we feel further apart. So that being said, focus on gratitude. Maybe take another deep breath and open your eyes and focus back on the road. So for this episode, um, you know, I wanted to dive into, obviously, there's a ton going on um, in the world, and it's, <clears throat> it's depressing, it's scary, it's intense, it's, it's all of those things. And so I wanted to kind of talk about some of the anger, frustrations that I've been feeling, um, see if that resonates with anybody, and also talk kind of understand the systems 
Um, I'm hearing a lot, you know, we're talking a lot about different systems, political system, uh, the systems that have created all this racial injustice that we're seeing, um, the systems that have led to climate change, etc. And I want to dive into a couple different areas that often, you know, are part of this system and take a look at that actually they're doing something really interesting to us and what it means to create change. So the five areas we're going to take some time to explore a little bit on health, a little bit on environment, racial justice, implicit bias, also technology and culture. Um, so healthcare, environment, race, tech, and culture. And I'll preface this, I'm by no means an expert in any of this. Um, as my grandfather always said, I know a little bit about a lot and a lot about nothing. <laughs> and, you know, it's hard for me to have this conversation without saying the word I a lot. Um, but really view this as just sharing some thoughts um, based on conversations I'm having professionally, personally, um, and seeing with everything, you know, being aware of everything that's going on in the world. So with that said, I think as we dive into these, I, I want to explore like how are these each areas feel like they're contributing to this kind of perfect storm we all probably feel right now with the state of the world? Um, because it's pretty fucked up, excuse my language, but there's a lot going on. Um, so with that said, let's kind of get into it. So the first area that feels like pretty relevant or how we started 2020 in some sense is on the health front, obviously COVID coronavirus seems like the U S is plan right now is just hope it goes away <laughs> on its own. Uh, I'm in Texas. I don't know what the hell the state is thinking about doing. Um, but maybe you're in a state that's kind of coming out of a lockdown still or slowly opening up or it's just a free-for-all, don't know. But seems to be lack of clear plan, lack of good leadership uh, at lots of levels. There's been some great leadership at City de Blasio. Our, actually, our judge here, Dallas County, has been great. Um, but, yeah, it seems, you know, at first it's like, okay, we're sheltering in place. We're going to quarantine and as a means to an end to flatten the curve to to reduce the burden on the hospitals and healthcare workers and then it seems like we gave up on that because of the economy and again another preface like i'm very fortunate and my wife as well like we have our jobs we're not front frontline workers uh we're not healthcare workers we're not first responders so we've been able to be really fortunate in that sense to kind of just be hunkered down at home. And I know that's not the case for many. So I want to recognize that this is not a lack of perspective complaining. It's just a analysis and a frustration with all that's going on, including what we're doing to our healthcare workers and our health systems and how we got to this point. Um, but one thing that's really interesting about healthcare, if anybody of you have gone through a major health issue yourself, um, lost somebody, fought an illness, beat the illness, lost somebody to an illness. You know, it's like when you go through a really tough healthcare experience and when you then talk to somebody who's been through something too, you, you come out the other end and you're like, whoa, this is what the healthcare system's like? And sure, maybe a drug or a trial or a new treatment saved your life or saved the life of a loved one. And so obviously, like, the miracle of modern medicine, of course, but the experience, not necessarily the the actual science, but the experience 
when you go through it, you realize how much is how much of the burden is put on the individual um, from an education perspective, from a getting organized, from a learning, from an advocacy perspective, right? You know, a medical center or hospital say, here's your treatment plan, here's what we're going to do. Oftentimes, a lot of it feels so reactionary, right? You're, you're there because a symptom has already shown up, something has metastasized literally um, or materialized and you're not feeling well. So the medical system is very reactive and not always the most proactive. And to be proactive or even in dealing with a reactive situation, you know, you're really left to yourself to kind of really educate, understand what your options are, understand, you know, what you can afford, can't afford financially. The insurance side of that's obviously a mess. Not even going to touch that topic. So, you know, when you look at this healthcare and you can see it with COVID too, right? It's like basically kind of the system has just punted what feels like at times punted to the individual. You, you We see it now. It's like this whole conversation about what are what do you have to do because of work, because of making a living? What do you value? Is it travel? Is it seeing family? And what do you do? You know, and, and we feel it's like, that pressure of being put on us. Do I wear a mask here? Did I wash my hands enough? Do I take my kid to this play date? Do I go to the park? Daycare's opening up. Do we go? What are the risks? You know, and this kind of, while there's been some good guidance at times from the CDC, et cetera, from WHO, it's like, okay, you can see how this sort of, at least in the U.S., coronavirus sort of highlights that notion of, of, healthcare putting the burden oftentimes on the individual then you can contrast that with the environment um, put simply with the environment I think it's pretty clear that we've been shitting on the planet for a long time and are really starting to kind of see those consequences directly indirectly obviously most people know about climate change sure is the fact that some people are still debating the science real and absurd yes um, but regardless, if you look at the environment's relation to coronavirus, a lot of the reports and studies are saying that, you know, this is due to climate change. It's due to the pressures where humans are putting on the natural world and thus exposing us to new diseases, new illnesses, uh, new flora and fauna that we've never encountered before, you name it. And so... You know, I joke, it's it's a it's a serious joke, but I, you know, I've said to people, you know, for my one and a half year old, I'm like, this is, there will be a time in his life when he says to a friend, oh yeah, I was, uh, this isn't my first pandemic. I was alive for the coronavirus, COVID-19, but I was too young to remember, you know, because it'll, it'll happen again in his lifetime for sure. To what context, what medicine's available, I don't know, but all signs point to you know, in some sense, we're fortunate it, it took this long to take this shape. And then definitely signs point to unless there's a total change in the way we operate that it'll happen again. And that's scary. But when you think about the environment, one, um, one movie that has been um, coming to my mind a lot is the movie Wally. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it's a Pixar movie. I feel like it was the first movie in 4D. Um, uh, no, wait, that can't be right. For, not 4D. Uh, <laughs> 4K, I think. 18K. 
19 carats. And um, if you've seen it, think about it. If you haven't, I won't ru- ruin the movie because I highly recommend it. Um, but there's like no words spoken for the first half of the movie. But the premise is essentially humans have polluted and destroyed the planet so bad that it's we can't live there. And we've moved into space. And all the humans live on a big corporate branded spaceship. <laughs> and Wally is one of the last remaining uh, trash collecting robots. And so he's scouring the earth collecting trash. And I can't remember the details. Somehow he ends up in outer space. His friend, I think. But um, <laughs> he ends up with the humans on these ships. And when you look at the humans, we're like fat blobs. We were like zooming around in outer space in this corporate branded spaceship, drinking these corporate branded sodas in these little Jetson like hovercrafts. We sit all day and we're fat and we can't like walk anymore. And we have screens. There's like six screens in front of us. And we like talk to people and order stuff and buy. And you can like go to the store and you just zip around in your little (laughs) fat person hovercraft. And this came out in 2002. 10 no no no. earlier than that like 2008 and it's looking pretty prescriptive right from a environmental standpoint state of the planet from humans and our lifestyle and our diets and our addiction to technology and from a branding everything's corporate um we're in space (laughs) spacex just launched like it's looking pretty real um i highly recommend the movie it's pretty prescriptive and kind of telling um, it's a sweet story, and little Wally, bless his heart, love that robot, um, and, and I hope he's doing well wherever he is. So when you think about the environment, you know, think about the state of things. Is is right now the system, whatever the system is, like you know, the thing with talking about the system is is humans created the system. We are the system, and the system is humans, right? It's at least until AI takes over the world, but. So you could argue that we can fix the system and have to because we are the system, but I think it begs the question, why are people who are in power, who are leading these systems, why are they making the decisions they are? Why does it seem tone deaf? Why does it seem out of tune? Why is it racist? Why is it anti-environment? Is it their background? Is it their upbringing? Is it their worldviews? Is it the pressure they're under from politics from greed from capitalism like what is it why are the people in power making the decisions that they're making so i think that's important to keep in mind about like when we talk about the system but from an environmental perspective too like right now sort of the system punts again to the individual right like think about just like healthcare all the paths you have to go down in these rabbit holes in order to feel like you're doing enough and i say that in quotes on the environmental front and I'm going to pause and, and take a drink. In case you're wondering, I'm drinking a Moscow Mule drink of choice. And this podcast is sponsored by um, nobody. <laughs> I was trying to think of a, a Tito's. It's, it's sponsored by Tito's. Thank you, Tito's. Don't sue me. So, thanks. Since I know I'm talking to you alone for 45 minutes, I thought I'd interrupt every now and then to play a little musical favorite song. Name that tune.
Any guesses? Now back to your broadcast. The, you know, when it comes to doing the right thing, to buying a green car, to traveling less, to greening your home, finding out where your energy comes from, trying to find organic food, um, you know, evaluating work travel, buying carbon offsets, saving the elephants, donating to your nonprofits. I mean, think about it. It's like it's a never-ending path that we have to go down. It's it, it almost at times feels like, and I think there's some definitely some truth in this, nothing we do in our current system is good for the planet, right? Like we humans, and I mean this like as a human, but we are pretty much net negatives, right? Like we, we do a lot of taking without a lot of giving. And that's fine. Like you can get into a pretty intense debate going down that path. But, you know, right now, everything feels like it's bad unless you seek out the good. And so a good example that I've been talking to some friends about, and just kidding, just myself, is um, this, uh, think about, and this bridges kind of health and environment is like food labeling, food packaging. Some of our MAG members, Joanne and Annie, do a lot of work in CPG work and on supply chain. And, you know, I think there's a lot of really good and valuable, important work there. So I want to preface that. Um, But if you think about the food labeling system, it's totally backwards. We essentially label the good stuff, right? Like the stuff in in the grocery store... And I'm imagining looking at the bag back of like a bag of chips. You're you're saying this. Oh, you're like okay. I'm in the grocery store. I'm looking at this bag of chips, and I'm looking at the back. And I do this right. Like I'm. I mean, pre 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 COVID, I suppose. But when we all went to grocery stores normally, I would sit there and I'd look and say, okay, this thing is USDA organic. Great. What is that really saying? It just doesn't have shit in it. It's not used pesticides. It's non-GMO. Oh, great. Wait, does that mean everything else in the grocery store is GMO? You know, not tested on animals. Oh, great. Wait, is everything else tested on animals? You know, the disclosures are the stuff that they're not doing. And then it begs the question, well, wait, is everything else? Like, why isn't everything organic? Why Why are we still putting pesticides in? Why is everything still tested on animals why is it gmo and all that does is it shifts it's it's like a punt again it's like here you figure it out consumer like we're we laud the brands and i do branding work but we laud the brands for putting those labels on there that's good but like fundamentally stop putting some of that stuff in there right or or shift if you aren't organic say that you're not organic right like call out the bad stuff and i think when, when I'm thinking about these frustrations and especially like the state of the world and wanting to create change, you, we also all feel this pressure coming at us, whether we know it or not, from so many different perspectives. And I think the dialogue I want to have is like, do other people feel that frustration, whether you know it or not, that like the burden from everything is being put on you, right, to, to figure it out, to take the time. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast like we're the fortunate ones, right? And, you know, I, I, early in my career, for those of you who know me, you probably know the story. If you don't know me, you're A, lucky, B, about to hear the story. (laughs) Uh, But I started in the finance world, come from a family of CPAs. My dad still runs a CPA firm today. And I kind of started on that path. And then I 
quit my job at PricewaterhouseCoopers to move to South America and do some environmental volunteer work in rural Peru. Um, so that was a tough decision, tough family conversations. Um, you know, my mom was pretty disappointed at the time, but you know, she, she got to know my, uh, passion for the environment. She kind of went full in on that. And one, uh, we still joke to this day, one time she texts me and when she found out Prince Charles wrote a book about the environment, she bought me a copy of the book. And then she told me, she texted me and told me to send my resume to Prince Charles. And I was like, uh, how does how does one do that? Hard copy mail to Buckingham Palace, or and this was like pre Twitter, so. <laughs> but, anyways, so, you know, for me when I went to South America and was doing some volunteer work on water sanitation and helping rural community members test their own water so they could tell the government it was polluted. You know, the adage that was expressed to me there was. You know, if you have the choice between cutting down the tree and feeding your family, you're going to cut down the tree. And that holds true lots of levels. And that's like a base you can build from, right? And, you know, I did some wildlife conservation work early on. And if you are, uh, if your family is extremely poor and malnourished in Africa and you're paid money to go shoot and kill the elephant, you're going to go shoot and kill the elephant, right? And so, we, myself, very much included, are like very far removed from that, right? Like we, we are not operating in that baseline of those types of choices, right? And how then do you define and understand like what path on the environment to go down and what to, um, how to do more? Right, like what we so it opens the door again. Also, in this, when you think about this burden into hypocrisy, right? Like, you could always, in theory, be doing more. I could, I could, I have a Prius. Well, I could have a, and it's a, you know, don't get me wrong, is a babe magnet, but <laughs> uh, I could have an electric car, right? I could be off the grid. I don't have solar panels. Like, you could keep going and going and going down these rabbit holes and then what comes from that when that burden is put on you then you also I think it feeds into this culture and we're going to talk about tech and culture soon too of like look at what I'm doing you know and then it becomes when you take the time to actually figure it out and do it and try and do something virtuous you then want to share it because you felt like look at what I did and I think that's that's tough that that's a scary ramification, but also it leads to these tough conversations that we have to have because I think I'm fearful from a global perspective that we're losing the freedom of choice. And I mean, if the systems aren't working and we're having these global negative ramifications, we're kind of losing the freedom to just choose when and where and how we want to plug in and what issues we want to care about. And look at COVID, right? Boom. You had to care about it. And it brought it forefront real quick. Boom. Look at what's happening, and rightfully so, with racial injustice and the discussion on implicit bias. Boom. We need to address that now. And so when you talk about effort, it's hard to not also have this conversation because, again, the burden is put on you, the individual, us, the individual, to, to say, Am I doing enough? And I think 
the world to me is sending us a signal that we're losing sort of the freedom to ignore these signs, ignore the science and say, well, you know, I'm just going to put my head down and do my work and I'm going to make my money however I make my money. I'm fearful my child will not have that decision. Um, You could, and I don't know if that's always been a good thing now that we've sort of come into this age of like knowing and we know our, you know, we know our impacts on the planet, on each other. So when we look at health, when we look at environment, and also race now for this third piece of this perfect storm, again, you know, I am a white male. I am anti-racism. I very much support the movement. I think if I, it's not an excuse, but if I didn't have a one and a half year old and there and COVID wasn't going on, I would very much be out in the streets in the protest. Um, but I'm trying to learn and educate myself and my family from home and do what we can to have the right conversations um, and to start change. And again, in the race side, there's a lot of on the racial front, there's a lot of conversations about systems failing us. And it's this, and it's the same thing. It's like, well, why are those people in power making the decisions that they're making? Why do people feel the way that they feel? Like, what is it? Where are our values in this? And I think what we're seeing from COVID on the health front, from climate change on the environment, from the race and racial injustice front, like maybe our values have gotten really out of whack. And whether consciously or unconsciously unconsciously i don't know (laughs) you know i'm gonna take a drink cheers and on that note it's another musical interlude name that song Okay, now back to your scheduled broadcast. And so, what are our values? like? And, and how far have they gotten pulled in one direction that we may not even know about it? You know, one, one example that comes to my mind is food. And I think COVID has really highlighted food um, and the value of food supply. And my God, looking at a supermarket or food delivery or our food supply chain in a different lens because I quickly realized uh, I am 100%, my family is 100% dependent on the food supply. I, I'm not growing anything. Well, wasn't. I am now growing some tomatoes. Um, so we'll eat, we'll survive on <laughs> seven tomatoes for the next two years. But, um, you know, and that said, that's something about values because if I really valued food and being connected to the food supply chain, or if I didn't take it for granted, one could argue I would be growing more. And it's like, well, I, you know, been so busy, don't have time to grow food. Again, it's hard to not look at that from a values perspective. We can all be reflective on that. Um, and also time, you know, where you spend your time ultimately is sometimes whether you like it or not, an indicator of what you value. If you travel a lot, you probably value travel if you spend a lot of time with family you value family if you spend a lot of time binging netflix then i don't know you value relaxing i guess so the food thing was to me in covid it was a was a sign that knowingly or unknowingly i've been pulled out of my connection with food and 
the fundamental importance of it and how to get reconnected and to feel more empowered by growing my own food or contributing to the supply chain. So, and same thing I think with, uh, this is, I want this to come across very much the right way. I don't view it as like a burden on race, but I think in a lot of the conversations we're seeing right now about educating oneself and uncovering implicit bias, I think that is obviously very important. I think there are a lot of people as a white Southerner who are going to need some help in that process. Don't want to look, don't know where to look, don't know where to start. And my fear a little bit is by creating a label for everything and creating such a sensitive on religion, race, gender issues, homosexuality. Like if, if you create a too much of a label on everything, you, you run the risk of um, losing dialogue. And I think that's, that's a slippery slope because if we create a space that isn't as safe as we think it is or as brave as we think it is and isn't as welcoming and inviting and you're not allowing some room for someone to say the wrong thing or to both, it could be intentionally, unintentionally, to make a mistake or to say something that comes across very ignorant or even uneducated. If you don't, if we don't hold that space then I think people shut down even further and retract even further into their own silo. And that is really dangerous. So, you know, I think when we talk about change on the race front, on a lot of these fronts, and also the burden, I think within that burden, there's a responsibility for us to open and try and keep the dialogue as open as possible. But within that, recognizing like fundamentally how people learn, right? You, you, you make a mistake, you get the equation wrong, you say the wrong thing, but in the right environment, you, you feel comfortable, you're not shamed for that, and then you're able to really kind of change and grow and learn. Another piece to this puzzle, this sort of perfect storm, is tech. And before we get into tech, another musical interlude. Name that song. and back to our show um and for those of you who know me you know i have this very weird love-hate relationship with technology um i love trying out new tools tinkering with it i come from a family of tech nerds i say that very lovingly (laughs) you know compared to them i my brother my dad Compared to them, I don't know anything about technology. Um, But, you know, I look at the tech from a burden perspective, and it's kind of similar. It sort of fits this mold of, you know, we we know now that social media is not really good for us. There's a lot of positives. There's also a lot of negatives. We know that these big tech companies, you know, it's sort of like it's like ignorance is bliss. A little bit. I think we want to kind of turn a blind eye and just wish, hope that they're doing good or not as bad, not as many bad things as as we say they are. 
you know, because it's hard. It's time consuming. I mean, again, talk about burden. If you wanted to really control your privacy, your digital life and your digital privacy, like good luck. I mean, you would either literally have to live off the grid or it would take your whole life. I mean, to, to function and to move at the speed that would work and family and social, you know, interactions, social, real social life requires, like you, you can't <laughs> to function, right? And to not make just some big leaps of faith in your data and your privacy. And, you know, you may say, Zach, well, what does it matter? Like if, you know, Google has all the information on me anyways. It's, yeah, it's true. Sure. But it's, it's, it's at scale. That's a lot. If I'm giving that up, if you're giving that up, tens of millions of people are giving it up, that speaks volumes. And that creates some powerful monsters that we're seeing. And I don't mean to call the tech company monsters. I think you, you get the reference. But again, think about technology. The burden is on us, right? Like I'll give a good example. As, as some of you know, I quit Facebook. And, you know, it's like it's kind of funny because I think um, I'm going to pause here for uh, station identification. You know, I was telling people that I, I last year downloaded all my Facebook data and deleted my account. And you're like, oh, my God, he's a hero. And I haven't posted on Instagram in a year. Wow. I should put that on my resume. I should tweet it. I'm just kidding. It doesn't work like that. Um, my wife told me I can't do that. But um, it, the crazy thing about the Facebook piece was, you know, my, I'm 34, my college class, we were the first ones to get Facebook. Um, I mean, like, you know, the first college group. I remember like, oh my God, Claremont has Facebook. That's amazing. And so in 2004, we had it. And I was on Facebook for 15 years. And if anything, I talk about getting off of it as like an addiction, you know, and like trying to come clean. And it was hard. It was way too hard, way harder than I than I ever thought or wanted it to be to hit delete on that account. You know, first I... I forgot whatever, um, muted, I don't know what it's called. Um, you know, I like, oh, I deactivated, deactivated the account. I was like, okay. But, you know, like all of us have with the timers or changing passwords, like, whoop, boop, I'm back in. <laughs> Do that computer stuff, beep, boop, boop, and I'm back in. Um, so I was like, okay, there's no, there's no middle ground here. I have to delete it. Downloaded my data, deleted it. I'm gone. You can't look at me. Can't find me on Facebook. i there's other Zach Wiseman's, but I don't exist on there. And it was so hard at the time, but what's been interesting, it's been freeing. Like, I, I literally don't think about it anymore. It took a while, took a month, maybe more, but I don't think about it. Don't miss anything. It just it has removed itself from my day-to-day life. And that's been great. I think it's been freeing. But again, look at the burden of responsibility. The, the responsibility is on me, Right to kind of to step off the the train the 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 escalator and it makes me again think about Wally you know all of these guys zipping around in their uh jets and hovercrafts like you're on the track and and literally in the movie one of them gets bumped off and sort of has this like awakening literally falls out can't stand up so there's something a little bit of that too right it's like it's these small little pieces that were or unknowingly contributing and then we're like well i'm not a bad person 
right? I'm not a bad, I just did this, or I just did this, or I just did this, or I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And again, but I think when you're talking about when the systems are broken and the effort really being on the individual, there's A, a lot that you have to do. It's tiring, it's exhausting, it's frustrating. And one could argue like we all have to do more because it's not working from a lot of different levels. Kind of brings me to our last piece of this perfect storm. And I don't mean this to be like an extremely depressing conversation. I, I hope it's taken in the context of looking at from these various perspectives, like look at the burden the system's actually putting on the individual, and then it becomes like, what do you do about it? What do we do about it? So culturally, I think this kind of all gets wrapped into the culture piece. I think like we talked about, you know, this culture of busy, this culture of look at me, um, it's really frustrating, and I think it's really pervasive. Um, we're all too busy to care. We're all too busy to spend time. And and I'm saying this as guilty as charged, right? I'm saying it as like uh, I want to work and fix this, and have been trying to as well. We're all we're we're too busy making money. We're too busy traveling. We're too busy with our kids. We're not with our kids. We're too busy working. You know, we're too busy relaxing. We're too busy on social media to to what you know and and this culture of that that busy is the answer is is making us sick from a lot of different ways you know try i read a book it's literally called um let me look on my bookshelf i think it's called busy thriving in a world of too much um and the author says he says next time you're at well i don't know now but next time you're at a dinner party or talking to some friends you know, and they ask how you been, say, oh, I haven't been too busy. You know, just been hanging out. You know, we almost look at that negatively. Like, oh, oh my gosh, this guy's not busy. He must be doing something wrong. Because if he was doing it right, however we define right, he'd be super busy. So we have this culture of busy. We also have like this culture, the, the me culture. Um, you know, and as someone who owns a, a small company and we're trying to solicit ourselves and put our name out there I think about it a lot I think about it. it's very hard not to how do you how do you find that line between promoting the work you do and your thoughts without saying me 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 I I I I right and I posted something on LinkedIn a couple weeks ago said you know today was just a normal day we didn't get any awards here at mag we just did our work and fortunate enough to be in a position to do that and that was the most popular thing I've ever put on LinkedIn um, clearly it, it hit a, hit a, hit a chord and you could say that again from a health perspective, right? Everybody's a health fitness expert right now on social media. Everybody's in, in better shape than you. Everybody has a six pack an eight pack, you know, I've got a zero pack, <laughs> uh, but you know, it's like, well, who are these people? Why should I trust this person telling me what I should eat, how I should exercise? You know, and it's these little dopamine hits that I think add up and start to affect our culture, right? And the stories we tell ourselves or tell others on social media, you know, and it's hard. It's we're all the the hypocrisy is there, right? We're all guilty of it. So it's like I'm in it with you. So then it becomes like, okay, when we're when we kind of wake up, try and hit get off the path a little bit. How do you find a balance of, you know, what action to take and what not to take? So. In looking at these various elements, I think 
from health, from environment, from race, from tech, from culture, when you stop and realize that the burden is actually being put on you and us as individuals, I think it does a few things. One, first of all, it's reason to like say, okay, whew, that's what's contributing to this like prevailing maybe tiredness, um, anxiety, stress that you're feeling. You know, because as someone who personally have gone through grief, one of the things that grief teaches you is how much mental bandwidth it actually takes up, whether you know it or not. And I think a lot of people are seeing that from COVID and with race too. You're thinking about it, you're reading about it, your subconscious is thinking about it while you sleep, all these things, and it takes energy. And it zaps energy in different ways and leads to fatigue, leads to anxiety, leads to being stressed. So... When you recognize that, I think first, like, okay, the way the systems are putting the burden on the individual in a lot of way, just pause and say, okay, I, I understand that, right? That's why it's contributing to a lot of this feeling. Then it becomes, well, how do you start to have tough conversations, right? How do we have those conversations where you allow people to, you know, in some areas say the wrong thing, to show that they're trying but how do you also have a conversation with others that like we got to do more and i think you're seeing that on the race front right like you're really seeing this call for like do more this is not working and i think that that i'm I'm so supportive of that and i think it's amazing and i think we can actually you know carry that momentum over into a lot of other areas as well right like we, we need to do more we need to demand more and we need to really i think as a as a species fundamentally look at what we value whether knowingly or unknowingly, and how we spend our time, and are we contributing to the system, and in what ways? And so it begs the question, you know, we all have to have tough conversations around how are we spending our time, how are we investing our money, if we're fortunate enough to have money to invest, you know, if there's even going to be a stock market anymore, and and how do we make a living? You know, I, I think the days of working a job, to make a living, to support your family, to buy the house and the white picket fence and take the two-week vacation, I think they're gone if not, they're going if not already gone, right? And that's a really hard conversation. So we, the reflection, and thus it opens the door to hypocrisy, is like, okay, well, how do I, Zach Wiseman, do more? How does everybody do more? What does that look like? And how do you do it in a way that is inclusive, productive, proactive, and starts a conversation, so I think my hope is that by starting a dialogue, by kind of pausing and looking around us and feeling and kind of embracing this frustration, this anxiousness that we're probably all feeling right now, by embracing it, you're saying, okay, like, you know, think about it's like clouds in the sky or it's like weather. Like it's, there's a storm, but hopefully it's temporarily and hopefully it passes. And so then we start to chart a path forward together. So... I love to continue the dialogue. I'd love to understand if you're feeling some of these burdens that the systems are putting on the individual, us to figure it out, to find the answers, to advocate for ourselves, to fix components. Um, and if you've found things in your life that have been helpful, um, different ways of focusing, different things you're saying no to. I think it's really important these days to say no to certain things. Um, 
yeah, would love to sh- hear your thoughts, any reactions. Um, you can find us on Twitter at, at mag underscore collective. You can email me. You can contact us online on our website. So thank you for entertaining me. Um, thank you for joining. Thank you for tuning in. And um, if you've had your eyes closed this whole time, you're, you're definitely asleep by now. So good night. Thanks for joining another episode of MagMind. For more about our work, our community, please visit magcollective.com, M-A-G-collective.com. Thanks, and until next time. Get above my head. They sang to me this song.